Welcome to Backstage at Upstage, a presentation of Upstage Lung Cancer, which uses the performing arts to raise awareness and funding for lung cancer research. Here's your host, the founder and president of Upstage Lung Cancer, Hilde Grossman. Hi, I'm Hilde Grossman, and we're so excited to have you with us today backstage at Upstage. And here's my good pal, Jordan Rich. Hilde, another important topic and a wonderful guest. She is Gloria Zhuang, Executive Director of Strategic Alliances at New Tang Dynasty, an independent, nonprofit television network that provides a wide range of programs for the Chinese American community and for listeners around the world. Hilde, the microphone is yours. Well, I am so excited to be um, speaking with Gloria once again. We had such a great time talking about this topic ahead of time. Welcome to the podcast this morning, Gloria. You know, originally, my thoughts were to discuss healthcare disparities in the Asian community. And then I learned that the Asian and Pacific Islander population represent over 30 countries And then within that, they contain ethnic groups that speak more than 100 different languages. So it's, I think, very typical, at least in this country, to try to homogenize groups like that. They're all the same, but it's it's very wrong. Um, We did one podcast on the Hispanic community and some of the healthcare issues that face Um, that community and also learned that uh, there are um, very different cultures and uh, communities. So we'll focus today more on the uh, Chinese American group. You'll, of course, tell us more that over, I know that over 24% of the Asian population um, is what you focus on, which is the Chinese American population. But I'll let you I'll let you tell all about this. I'd love to hear more about some of the educational and outreach programs, especially in the focus of cancer and lung cancer. So take it away, Gloria. <laughs> great, great. Good morning, Hilde, and good morning, Jordan, for having me here. Um, I, I feel so uh, important to share the information um, with mainstream society because just like you mentioned, oh, you said, uh, according to your research, there are 100 different languages. However, they definitely are not the same, um, especially for Chinese community. You mentioned uh, 24% um, among all the ethnic groups are, are Chinese. Yeah, but according to our study, the number is much, much higher than that 24%. Uh, I don't know if you know, because we did a survey in uh, Chinese community, because if you, that's a number coming from sensor, right? Uh, sensors, um, and but if we did, um, we know the number is much higher. So we did our own survey in the Chinese community. We asked people passing by if they joined um, the US sensors, but you know, uh, only one third uh, people in Chinese community uh, filled the sensors um, survey or, or forms. So it's much um, under um, rated or under-evaluated um, in, the, in, in terms of the populations of Chinese-American here in the U.S. I think one of the reasons, as far as I know, um, 
Is it because uh, China, no matter what, still communist country, right? In China, people um, there and they are afraid the government take their data. So they even when they immigrate to U.S., they still keep this kind of mindset. So whenever the U.S. Uh, the government asks, they build a census form, and so they, they won't fill it. So. Much, much higher, uh, again, um, uh, more uh, Chinese Americans here, and definitely they have um, their problem um, in terms of culture uh, difference, language barrier, especially for the first generation immigrants or the one and a half um, generation immigrants when if, if when they have cancers, it's devastating for them. So um, I I know you want me to talk about our platforms. Why, as a, a non-profit TV broadcaster, and we are doing the patient education, right? So that's also the questions we encountered in the beginning. We we jumped into this area and uh, so we, we, we when we talk with the uh, industry partners like insurance companies pharmaceutical companies that's the questions we always got um you know from them they said oh you know so you're not a patient um advocacy group right and as a tv broadcaster why you do the patient um advocacy you know i told them we there's no cancer care there's no cancer support community in this kind of organizations in, there's no upstage uh, lung cancer group um, organizations like you in Asian community, right? Especially in Chinese community. And when people are sick, um, they don't know where to look for help. And uh, we have uh, the TV program, we have the newspaper platform, we have the website, and we have the community events. So whenever they say, can they call us, look for help? So uh, several years ago, our CEO said, we need um set up a healthcare team, really help the community, especially for the cancer patient, because cancer is a taboo in our community. So when they're sick, we should hold their hands, go through the journey. Um, you know, even for us, um, I am a, a immigrants, right, to this country. Even I don't have the language problem, even you, you, you can hear my accent, but it, it doesn't stop me communicating. But I still got confused when I got sick, um, you know, in terms of very complicated healthcare system here, right? So let alone those uh, people really have language um, barrier and the culture difference. So that's how we jump in to, to help the community um, from then on. I, I often think about how difficult the the healthcare community is in the United States. Um, in order to navigate the healthcare community, um, I think by and large, you have to be well-educated. You have to have an ability to assert yourself. You have to be uh, willing to confront in a very positive way, your doctors and healthcare uh, providers when you have questions or you think, what they're telling you isn't going to be helpful so that you can have a real conversation. So I always think if you don't speak the, langu the, langu the language as a native speaker, or if you don't feel capable of asserting yourself um, for whatever reasons, educational reasons, and then certainly to add other cultures, other languages, um, other um, 
other uh, viewpoints about respect for the, the healthcare provider, um, it creates a lot of difficulty. So, um, so I think what you do to try to provide a source, a resource for people, Chinese um, uh, Americans who um, are trying to navigate the healthcare system is that's just so very, very important. That's true, um, Hildy. I think you definitely hit the point um, for this community, just like what I mentioned. That's only two uh, problems they're facing. Actually, there's more. Um, I think the one of the main reason is in terms of cancer, right? So cancer is a taboo. Ta cancer is a number one killer in Chinese um, community, no matter where they are in China, mainland China, in Hong Kong, Taiwan, or South Asia, or even in US, right? And the lung cancer, among all the cancers, the number one in both male and female um, group, right? So right. Um, there's uh, so many misunderstandings, um, stigmas um, regarding lung cancer. I just, uh, like we talked last time, um, I just want to give an, one example. Several years ago, after we started to um, do the education uh, in Chinese American community, and we did a survey regarding lung cancer, and forty percent of people we sur uh, we we uh, we surveyed um, uh, thought lung cancer was contagious. So this is how. Um, uh, you know the the you know the the knowledge and they're lacking, right? So that's why we really need to empower the patient with knowledge. And also, um, you mentioned the healthcare providers. So uh, I don't know if you know the situation before the pandemic, like uh, family doctors who practice in the Chinese community, right? They will see they would see like more than one hundred patients per day. So there's a lot of a problem uh, in Chinese community, not only like uh, the healthcare providers very busy and they don't have that much time really spend the, the minutes with the patient to educate them. And sometimes it's a nurse practitioner take care of the patient. And also uh, for, uh, for the, the patient, right? They, they sometimes they just walk in. So this is not the fault of the um, uh, healthcare providers, right? It's because it's a culture. Like uh, back in mainland China, a lot because majority 80% of the immigrants in Chinese community are coming from mainland China. So those immigrants back in mainland China, we don't have family doctrine, this kind of system. So whenever you were sick, you just go to the hospital, whoever, whichever um, specialty is assigned to you, and then you just go to see doctors. So, so the patient or the people in our community get used to just walk in to see the doctors. So that's the reason even the doctor got some uh, um, appointments, but on top of that, and they will see a lot of walking patients. We work with one Chinese American um, physician association here. The, the president um, uh, is a family doctor, and sometimes he even see patients in the early morning, three o'clock. Um, oh this patient just wait there and to wait to be seated. Uh, right, so this is the the situations in China, uh, in uh, among the Chinese American community. Right, and 
And then there are also special issues within the culture um, and, and which includes language barriers. Um, so that as we had talked about um, in, in, the, in the Chinese community, there's a lot of respect for the elders. And so the younger generation um, often um, you know, defers to the elder generation, but the, 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 the differences between those generations sometimes can be problematic in a healthcare setting. So I, I know one example I was reading was that when the younger generation serves as an interpreter for the older generation, so maybe a daughter will go and interpret for their parents. Um, often they feel um, in a bind to present bad information, difficult information, frightening information to their parents. So um, it's not just translating word for word, it's translating information that's going to have an impact on the family and then having to deal with those feelings. So um, it was really, um, I've been reading a lot. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, that's definitely one uh, kind of um, major issues um, as a bike, um, what I, I talk about is a kind of stigma because cancer is a taboo in our community. People have no kind of misunderstanding, especially among the older generations. Um, they thought if you got cancers, it's because you did some bad things in the past and you have been punished. So you don't want people to know. Um, and just like you mentioned, even the younger generations act as an interpreter or a caregiver uh, along the, uh, the journey um, of fighting cancer. But sometimes, um, you know, when they got the information about um, diagnosis of cancer, so they are afraid to let the older parents know about it because people will get, you know, at first, um, when they heard about they got cancer, they will collapse. So they don't want this kind of situation happening um, before they uh, go through the treatments. Uh, so this is the one thing. I just want to give um, give you uh, one example, right? So when we started the lung cancer education, it's very hard to find the lung cancer patient who speak up, uh, you know, can um, in front of the cameras tell their stories, how they fight cancer. Um, but um, because, you know, they don't want people to know. Um, so uh, with, uh, we, we searched with Search a lung cancer patient, and uh, finally, one uh, doctors help us find a Chinese patient um, in uh, uh, flashing, and uh, you know she agreed to um, be in front of the camera and to talk about the story. So I was so excited. I brought our uh, camera crews or the team there went to the doctor's clinics and because the patient was there. And when we when we arrived, we saw the patient wear had um wear sunglasses, wear a mask. But that time there was no uh, COVID right. yet. <laughs> and and the talking in very low voice. I said, you know, I, I really don't understand. I said, you know, why are you doing this way, right? And she told me, I really don't want my friends to know I have lung cancer. Right. So she, it, was, it was clear she just did not want to be recognized at all. Yeah, yeah. They want to keep kind of in the shadow and want 
she also told me, I also want, I still want to have a normal life, you know, right. so right. she doesn't want to get um, discriminated, you know, among the, the circles of her friends or people will, will eliminate it from, me, uh, from her. And also, there's, we work with a lot of doctors and also social workers. There's one doctor also told us a story uh, regarding a late stage of liver cancer. You know, when a liver cancer patient got to the late stage and they become very yellowish, right? The yeah, family yeah. just don't allow the, the, uh, the patient went home, you know? So the patient have, had no ways to find help, just uh, roaming around on the street. And then the doctors and the social worker finally helped him to find a hospice service so mm -hmm. this is something uh, people really need um be educated right so if you have cancer in i mean the people in chinese community if you have cancer don't get um you know um uh, uh how to say don't don't be afraid and try to be more positive to look for help and also there's another thing is because people's uh, mindset regarding the treatment still associated with almost side effect of chemo right but there are so many new uh, treatment options um in the market like target therapy immunotherapy you right. know those kind of things new um treatments already available there but patients sometimes don't know even those uh, therapies um do not work you still can look for clinical trial right so that's the things for us um as a uh you know we are shouldering the responsibility to educate the communities to deliver the message um on a timely base so we build up the, the platforms really um send the information to the communities to empower them like we um did one the only um bilingual-language uh, TV show called House One Plus One. That's the show we engage with a lot of doctors by inviting them to our show and to talk about the preventions, screenings, new treatment options, et cetera, et cetera, to really let the, the patient know, uh, you know, what they can, what can help, they can look, uh, they can uh, expect. And we also have the print section We'll get back to the podcast in just a moment. As thousands of audience members know, Upstage Lung Cancer events, the concerts, are fun, meaningful, inspiring, and memorable. And you should know that we invest in cutting-edge diagnostic research to find lung cancer early and greatly improve on the five-year survival rate. We also bring voice to the fact that young people get lung cancer. They really do. Unfortunately, doctors don't know how or why. Proceeds from our concerts support research to help find answers to these questions. Hilde Grossman and her team aim to entertain and inform because the show must go on. Find out how you can help at upstagelungcancer.org. I just wanted to take one moment because yep. clearly stigma is something that lung cancer patients of all, you know, races and, um, you know, backgrounds experience. Um, I know as a lung cancer survivor myself, I've, I've told this story before, but um, I'm a singer. And so I just, the, the idea that somebody would know that I had lung cancer, it's like the singing lung cancer patient just seemed like such a horrible concept to me. And um, 
my husband, when I was diagnosed and I was at home, my husband had been walking our dog and talking to some neighbors. Oh yeah, Hildy has lung cancer. And I was dying, I was dying, dying, dying. I thought, oh, this is so embarrassing. But I think that's part of our work in upstage lung cancer. One of our missions is to address the stigma and get accurate information out the same way that you have this mission. It sounds to me the way you were describing things is that it, it, you know, if you take the general population, which includes so many, it's so, so diverse in the United States, but it does sound like in the um, Chinese community, there's e even, a, if possible, even a greater sense of stigma. I know for myself, you know, the first question anybody asks me is, did you, do you smoke? You know, and then I always thought, thank God I don't smoke because I would be so embarrassed because the next thought, if somebody doesn't say it, the next thought is, well, <laughs> you smoke. So of course you're going to get lung cancer. You deserve it. I don't smoke. I'm fine. All of that kind of, you know, terrible, terrible perspective. So, um, yeah, so it just feels like that there's beyond a part of the stigma is, yes, did you do something to yourself to deserve this? And no one does. No one deserves lung cancer at all. But there also feels like an even greater cultural stigma, like if you do have lung cancer, almost like you would be um, shamed or rejected in some way. And whether that's accurate, whether it actually happens, and clearly you had an example of someone with cancer in the family where he was rejected, you know. So um, this is a big problem. So what you're saying is, and you've got a big job, is how do you, you can't just say something to someone like, you shouldn't feel this way. Change your attitude. Don't be embarrassed. It's not not good enough. It's just not sufficient. So I know with your television shows and putting information out, and I love one of the things you told me I thought was really great was that you put this information not just in hospital waiting areas or doctor's offices, but in in supermarkets. I mean, you put it where the people are. And I thought that was that was really so smart and so uh, important, um, not just in, in the Chinese community, but like that, all of- Thank uh, you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for uh, sharing your stories. I think um, that's amazing. I always admire um, patients uh, like you um, really speak up and help others. Um, and also, especially like you set up as a platform, really inform other patients, you know, what they should do, um, what they can do and what kind of help they can look for. Um, um, but in Chinese community, there's no, this kind of a service um and uh so we thought uh, the most important thing is to empower the patient and uh right even there's a culture difference there's stigmas there's um language barrier there's all kinds of challenges they are facing when they uh, have the diagnosis of lung cancer but um you know um as long as they are open-minded, they would like to um, uh, work with um, doctors um, or, uh, you know, some healthcare uh, institutions and 
uh, proactively, there's always ways to help. And among um, Chinese American uh, 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 Chinese American communities, lung cancer is eighteen percent higher um, than the Caucasian uh, communities. And also, our patients can always seek the um, treatment um, late. Uh, you know, four point four months late um, when the uh, they develop the symptom. So this is already you know be the late stage uh, lung cancer. Uh, I have one friend just lost uh, his wife. His wife is a Korean, um, got EGFR uh, mutation lung cancer, and uh, just like you mentioned, she also didn't smoke. But when they found um, you know, she had lung cancer is already very late stage. So that's the reason uh, we um, um, kind of uh, um, advocate um, the early uh, screening, early detections, and uh, talk with the communities through our integrated platforms, not only the patient and also caregivers. You really need to pay attention to the early screening um, regarding um, lung cancer. You're such a wonderful communicator, Gloria. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm just going to ask a question that is probably on the minds of many above and beyond the the medical consequences, and that is with what is transpiring in the world headline-wise, the CCP and whether it be the balloon, the spy balloon, or general relations on a grand scale with China, how is that impacting the local community, the people you work with, in terms of well, other kinds of stigma, you know, as people associating Chinese Americans with the regime in China that is oppressive. How is that affecting the people you work with and the people you communicate to? Um, that's a great question, Jordan. Um, uh, NTD, uh, like the, the nonprofit broadcast I'm working for, is a stand for New Tang Dynasty, and we set up this uh, platform in 2001, um, uh, you know, in order to provide people uncensored truthful information. Just like you mentioned, China is still controlled by the CCP, which uh, is a totalitarian regime, and all the media government control propaganda. So there's no this kind of efforts can happen in mainland China. So a lot of our farmer partners also ask, oh, how can we do the same thing in mainland China? I said, no, you cannot because everybody, everything in China is censored and also is regulated by the government. You cannot freely deliver the information, even diseases itself, if you, if you publicly let the community know uh, how prevalent this cancer is, how prevalent this HIV is, that's a state secret. So basically, you cannot do the same same thing back in mainland China. Fortunately, we can do we can do the um large scale community uh community education in America. This is a free country. And regarding your question, how that in, in, impact the community. So far, we think in terms of disease education is okay. And because we have been build a trust among the community and the people always turn to us to look for information. That's the reason, you know, uh, even uh, for the political news, for the current affairs, we are the, the number one source for our community here in US to look for information. And then, 
for the disease education is the same because we always go far and beyond what we're doing. Like uh, recently, um, we also do a lot of biomarkers uh, education um, uh, by working with industry partners and in order to equip the community uh, the, not with the knowledge for the, um, uh, to choose uh, the, the right treatment. One of the things that interests me tremendously is um, overall, uh, overall populations, the largest increase in um, lung cancer di um, diagnoses is in non-smoking women. And that definitely is clearly there for the Chinese and the Asian population. Um, and there are a lot of different theories, like why that could be. Um, why are they so susceptible? I, I know for a long time, one of the things that I had heard was, you know, that they're inhaling um, high uh, temperature cooking oils and walks. And so women are standing over and breathing in that cooking oil. Um, I, you know, there's some kind of genetic component, as you mentioned, EGFR mutation um, is most prevalent in, um, in Asian uh, population. So um, it's it to me, this is very interesting in trying to get ahead of for all women, but now we're talking about for Chinese women, um, if that was a factor, and this is part of the culture of cooking in a particular way, um, there's so many things that you would have to um, kind of intercept in the community and say, this is not a good idea, even though this is how we do, this is how we do it, at least for the older generations. But anyway, I, I don't know if you have thoughts about women um, and uh, lung cancer. Yeah, um, that's a very important um, topic. Um, we should talk about it. Uh, for uh, the non-small uh, non cell lung cancer, <clears throat> definitely, has a higher prevalence rate uh, among women, especially like a Chinese community. Uh, as far as um, you know, according to our research, um, more than half, more than fifty percent EGFR mutation lung non-small cell lung cancer patients are Chinese. So definitely, there's uh, one reason behind it. But so far, according to the scientific research, nobody know the for sure reason. Um, people said, oh, it's just like you mentioned, Hildy, it's because, uh, uh, yeah, Chinese people love food, you know, there's no way they can avoid it. And also, it's because, um, you know, our history of uh, culture and we cook uh, with a high temperature, um, that's uh, generate a lot of uh, few maybe hurt themselves. That's one thing. And also just like I mentioned, EGFR mutation is is a, um, has a very high prevalence rate among non-smoking Chinese women. And uh, um, and also um, there's um, some other reasons, like uh, uh, if you talk about the first generation immigrants, right? Normally, it's older generations back when they lived in mainland China. They used the stove uh, to uh, for heating in in the in winter, um, especially for the region uh, northeastern region in China. That's also generate a lot of film, and especially in winter, and the films all stay in the house. And also, I don't know the secondhand smoking is also a huge 
issues if you go to a you know, all in according to the government survey uh, research, all other communities, the smoking rate is kind of declining, but only in Chinese community here, uh, it's still going up. And uh, according to uh, the survey data by NYC uh, Department of Health, um, it's 20% kind of smoking uh, rate among uh, Chinese men. So when we updated the lung cancer education uh, in San Francisco, right, we did a community events. We went to the local Chinese associations. We went in and it's all kind of men smoke there and the women just sit beside. So this, I think, is also one of the reasons. But we don't know. I, I'm not the scientific researcher and I don't know the, the fossil reason why non-smoking Chinese women um, got the high prevalence rate of lung cancer, but that's possible several, several reasons uh, we find. Well, it, it's so interesting. One of my best friends is Chinese and I just had dinner at her house last night anyway. So I was telling her a little bit about this and I mentioned the cooking oil, which she wanted to dismiss out of, no, it's not that. And then she said, no, it's men smoke. The, the Chinese men smoke and that's, that's why <laughs> this is going on. But I do think um, the more I've thought about it, I don't have data, but I, you know, if if you are standing over high, um, high heat uh, cooking oils and then you are inhaling the oils, I was thinking just this minute, it's a little bit like vaping, you know, um, where people are using these vape pipes and it's high high heat and it's usually some kind of oils and that's turning out to be very damaging to lungs so uh, there's a lot of uh areas of research where this this could be done and it's important i I, yeah. came, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know about this i just came across this uh article there's a, a dr scarlett dr scarlett lynn gomez is conducting a a research project uh, called FANS. Um, it's Female Asian Never Smokers Study. I believe it's out of Stanford. Mm. Stanford I'm not sure. But um, uh, but the aim is to collect data from Asian aware American women, oh yeah, in the greater Bay Area to shed light on the issue of non-smoking lung cancer in women and hoping to identify some of the new potential prevention methods and early diagnosis and treatment options in Asian women. But another thing that I came across that I don't know why I didn't think about it this way, but okie doke, here it comes. So with, with the uh, lung cancer screening trials and how it's saving lives and the part of the criteria is that you have to be over a certain age. I think it's down to 50 or so. Um, don't hold me to it. I should know this right off the top of my head, but I can't remember. But it's around 50 or 55. And then you have to have smoked a certain number of packs of cigarettes over the years. It never occurred to me till I just re was reading about this, this particular project that look what's happening. There are all these women, Asian women, who have never smoked who will not get screened because they've never they don't have a smoking history so they are not in the queue for being evaluated something needs to change here 
um, in terms of criteria, broadening the criteria for looking for screening lung cancer. And again, I'm hoping someone will be listening <laughs> who can move this to a research project or some uh, political efforts to change things um, uh, because this is this is extremely important. We so, should we should ask. You're right. You're right, <laughs> Gloria. We should ask you to uh, tell people how they can contact you and uh, get more information, whether they be Chinese American or Asian American or not. What's the best way to do that? Okay. Um, uh, I just uh, um, want to uh, emphasize what uh, you did mention uh, regarding um, you know, the trial screening. That's definitely something I think for organizations like you, you they um, probably need to advocate in order to for the non-small cell lung cancer patient uh, can be diagnosed as early as possible because they are, uh, a lot of them are non-smokers and but they could not enjoy the benefits of um, uh, screening right because they this they are not qualified for for the criteria uh, according to the criteria that's something uh, also happened with the clinical trial right so uh so far uh, we also do a lot of clinical trial education in order to in, empower the patient really to talk with doctors to find out because if you talk about the lung cancer treatment options, lung cancer patient, a majority uh, or large uh, proportion are um, Asian, but there's only very small uh, representative uh, in the clinical trial. And that's also something I think as uh, organizations like you and I, we need to work together really to raise um, um, the awareness regarding right. um, this part in order to let the, the drugs developed by the pharma partners um, to better suit for the patient's uh, treatments. Uh, back to you, Jordan. Um, uh, yeah, they can reach out to us um, through emails. We have health at nttv.com and they can send out emails and they can also uh, reach out to me and in order to get more information and uh, we, we we also can call our hotlines, uh, our main numbers for uh, for the information. And what is that number? 212-239-2808. And also another phone number is 212-736-8535. Perfect. Yeah, because I think there are people who don't like to use the internet who benefit if they know there's somebody they could call and vice versa. Some people don't want to make a phone call, but if they could, yeah. So there's just so much to do. And what's really clear to me, and it's true, I, I, everything boils down to finances, but what's really important is that there has to be greater amounts of information written in uh, more languages. And part of the problem is what I mentioned before, like, uh, you know, if there are 30 different languages, 100 different languages in the Asian, um, you know, and Pacific Islander population, I'm not sure you could <laughs> get something written in 100 different languages, but certainly there could be more effort to make sure the major languages. Yeah, Hilde, um, that's a very important um, uh, question uh, or, you know, topic. But among all those Asian ethnic groups, and the largest one is Chinese and then Vietnamese, Korean, Indian, right, and Filipino. Right. So this is and the Japanese. This is the six major um, largest ethnic um, 
Asian group. However, um, the the uh, communities need most the in culture in language service will be like a Chinese, Vietnamese, and Korean. Um, you know, Indian they have you know, back at home English um is their official uh language and the Filipino you know a lot of people they do um speak English and uh, uh, the the communities need the most um uh with the in culture in language education would be like Chinese um Vietnamese and Korean we definitely also show the that responsibility uh work with uh, other communities um by providing the culturally relevant information Every time we talk, Gloria, I feel like it's been three minutes of a conversation because there's so much to talk about and I love speaking mm -hmm. with you and this is another joyful um, moment and it won't be our last. But one of the things I wanted to tell you and also our listeners that Upstage Lung Cancer is also um, providing support for a project. You can go to upstagelungcancer.org slash research and that research is the research that we fund every dollar that comes in we try to invest in the best and the most um, important cutting-edge research we can but we do have a project this this current year looking at screening trials for non-smoking asian women in the u.s versus in in china and it's got a lot of promise for uh, providing us a lot of new information. So take a look at that. Um, hats off to Leisha Sequest at Mass General Hospital, um, who's spearheading that project. In any case, way more to talk about than we have time. So everyone listening, raise your awareness of cultural differences and how wonderful it is, rather than how horrifying that it is. It's wonderful that we have this diverse population and we just need to respect all the differences and try to support all the members of, of these communities who need extra help. So Gloria, thank you. Jordan, the best always. And uh, we'll see you next time. To find out how you can join Upstage Lung Cancer in raising awareness and funding to beat lung cancer, visit our website, upstagelungcancer.org. We invite you to subscribe and download our podcast available on all platforms. And we love reviews and ratings. After all, we're showbiz people. There's more entertainment and inspiration to come on the next podcast episode of Backstage at Upstage.